Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. You know, I'm always amazed when I get to do a sermon um, and, like, you got a consistent worship leader like Tim or um, Chris or when Erica gets to get up here, and they get in kind of the rhythm with you, and it's always amazing how they pick songs that let's, like, go with, go with the sermon, and we don't communicate it. Like, I annoy Erica because she's always like, well, what songs do you want to go with your sermon? And I'm like, I have no clue. Like, I am not, I'm not a worship leader. I don't even know the names of half these songs. And, but I just love it. Because even the, that last song that, that June sang, it's, it so goes with what, really what we're going over tonight and where, where I really feel like the Lord is leading us, you guys. And so Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be tonight as we go through the book of Philippians. So we'll bust through chapter 3 tonight. Next week we'll bust, bust through chapter 4. Last Tuesday of May is in two weeks, you guys, and then it's summertime, man. Like, it is here. It is so here. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but, like, it was such a long winter. So much rain. Like, the poor trees are like, we want a bud so bad. Like, we want flowers. But it's, like, here, guys. Like, it's here. I'm feeling it. I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get my flip-flop, you know, tan on my feet, man. I already got my, my tan line going for my watch. Like, it's time. It's time, right? Um, it is so time. So a couple more weeks of this. Uh, if you've missed the Philippian study, you can find it at the podcast at Jesus Famous Youth Teaching Podcast. Um, uh, I get to record those and put those on there. But uh, before we get into the teaching, hopefully you guys have a Bible. Uh, if not, there are some in the back. Um, but before we get into the teaching, I just want to go over a couple announcements just because summer is coming so fast. So the first one, you guys, is middle school camp. So middle schoolers, I'm excited. Are you guys excited? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's coming up quick. It's a couple weeks. I'm actually thanking God that there's five weeks in May. Like this morning I said that, and Tatum Ramona was like, why didn't it share with February? Why didn't like, it give a week? And I'm like, I'm actually really glad it didn't because having five weeks in May has been saving my rear end with how much is going on and how much I need to get done before summer hits. And so middle school summer camp is coming up. Get signed up for it. Do not let money stand in your way. We have an amazing church that is willing to give people in our church that want to support this youth ministry. Uh, so if you want to go or if you have a friend that wants to go, please, like, do not hesitate. Do not hesitate. This, these camps, they, they change, like, who you are, and they draw you closer to God. Uh, so Caleb Deer up in Truckee, uh, Sierra, Sierra, um, Sierra Bible Church, they're coming with us too. So we got Calvary Truckee coming, or not, I'm sorry, I can't say Calvary Truckee anymore. Sierra Bible Church. So you guys know Caleb Dero, right? Who remembers the ponytail Caleb Dero? The old school. Some of you guys, some of you, guys, some of you OGs do. Yeah, okay. All right. So, so he, uh, he's bringing his youth group middle schoolers. So he'll bring about, about 30 middle schoolers with him. So we're just going to pack out Camp Alta, have a great time. Looking forward to it. One of our days, we're going to have a yuck day, right? It's called a yuck day. So just prepared to get slimy and to have a lot of fun, all right? Yuck is some of the coolest stuff, like, known to man. So anyway, uh, some middle schoolers, sign up for that. Talk to your parents. Don't hesitate. Let's pack it out. Uh, other than that, you guys, senior trip is coming up. So seniors, don't hesitate. Sorry, guys. Sorry. A couple years, guys. A couple years. A couple years. 
So seniors, sign up. I think all my seniors are over here. I don't think I have Maybe I have a couple over here. I don't know. Nope. Um, yeah, I do. Rowan. Yeah. All right, guys. So seniors, sign up for that. Uh, again, if money's an issue, please come talk to me. Like, don't, don't like, wait till the deadline and go, well, I, I didn't think I could go because of money. Come talk to me, please. Like, I want you to go on this trip. I was putting together the, the, or revising the teaching outline from the last couple of years of doing this. And I, I just, it's such a precious time to myself, my wife. Ian went with us last time. Jamie, yes, we slapped each other with tortillas. But at the same time, like, oh, we had a bear too that night. We had a bear that night. Like, Ian and I were sweeping all the tortillas off the back deck. And then we're just sitting there like, oh, man, this is so awesome. And then we hear like, Krr. we're both like, hmm? Like, looking down. And then all of a sudden, man, here's this massive black bear, right? Big boy, big boy. He comes lumbering up the driveway. And me and Ian, like, go running through the house looking for flashlights. And all the seniors are like, why is Josh running? Like, <laughs> like there must be something. We got some good, like, good up close pictures. Um, so seniors, please, like, we're blessed with this cabin up in Tahoe, a good good lifelong friend of mine, his family owns it, and they let us use it for ministry, and so, and so seniors sign up for it. Um, any of you seniors that have a friend that you're like, hey, I have a friend that I think would really benefit from that, they don't have to necessarily be part of this youth group, um, and so, so please, like, come talk. So, uh, and then last but not least, gleanings, you guys, gleanings for the hungry. Uh, this is coming up too, you guys, this is the end of June, I think we have about 10 signups right now. We can take 30 spots, 30, 35 spots, you guys, so don't hesitate if you really want to go to this. Um, and so sign up for it. Be a part of it. This is a great time of opportunity just to fellowship, be together, work together. Uh, Calvary Modesto will be there in Calvary Newcastle. So we get to kind of take over the, the ranch at that point, do all the teachings and worships. Uh, so it's going to be a really amazing opportunity. But that summer, guys, ten, or like seven days after gleanings, Myself, some of the leaders, and the Thailand team are, are heading out on July 4th to San Francisco. So, yeah, you guys excited about that? Um, and so be praying for the Thailand team. As we, as, so we'll be leaving here at 6 o'clock on July 4th, and our flight are at 1 in the morning or 1 a.m. in San Francisco. And we'll be traveling for like 22 hours, I think, all together. So it's not too bad. It'll be fun. It'll be awesome. It'll be awesome. Um, so be praying for your Thailand team. Uh, I know it's going to be an amazing opportunity Thank you guys for any of you guys that bought cookies on Sundays from us. Thank you at the bake table. It was awesome. So that summer, because then after Thailand, we come home and the Shivelys disappear for two weeks up in the mountains. So you cannot reach us. Yeah. <laughs> um, we go back to our, our roots. Okay. So this is, this is Philippians. Let's get into this, okay? So follow along with me, guys. Philippians chapter 3. I forgot to ask somebody to read. I felt bad. Asking someone to read all of this last minute. Oh, you would have done it? You want to come up right now? No, <laughs> no, you don't have to, guy. I'm joking. I'm joking. I know you will, but don't. Sit down. Okay. <laughs> you know, because I should know, Kaya Moore will say yes. Like, oh, Avera, oh my gosh. Avera Moore. I know who you are. Okay. I know. Follow on. Ephesians 3, starting verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, that's all of you. Rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Jesus Christ, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Verse 7 he says, but whatever were a gain to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For those for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, and now that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies, uh, what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, all of us, then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if no, or if, if on some point you think definitely that to, that to God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Verse 17, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many lives, uh, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly, eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So Father, we thank you again just for your amazing grace. God, it is something that we cannot even fathom in our flesh and who we are because we can't earn it. We can't earn your grace. We can't do enough good deeds. We can't depend on, on our works as a human being to obtain what you so freely give. God, it can boggle our minds that you freely give this salvation, this grace, your mercy, but yet we can't earn it. You freely give this adoption into your kingdom, this citizenship into who you are, but yet we can't earn it. We can't buy it. So help us to understand that tonight as we go through chapter three of this letter to the Philippians, God. Let, us, let our hearts and our minds be open. Let your word just be real and true as it just penetrates into us, Lord. Um, we just thank you so much for what you're doing here. Spirit, just move mightily past my words, past my sermon, my inadequacies, God. We thank you so much for this time in your name. Amen. All right, so Philippians chapter 3. Man, what a powerful chapter. It really is. It's such an awesome chapter. So much in there. I mean, I could take, I could take months just preaching sermons on Philippians 3. As I was reading through this and studying and putting the sermon together, I was just like, man, 
Like, how am I going to just teach, like, one sermon on this, but I'm bound to be done by, like, 7.35 tonight. We'll see how it goes. But, so as we're going through this, you know, what we see is Paul's underlining theme in this is that, listen, there's something that God is offering you, but you can't earn it. And it's hard for people to understand that because we as humans, we, we like to look back and look at what we've accomplished. We like to look back and say, man, I did that, right? I accomplished that. I, I earned that. I worked hard for that. I, I built that thing, right? I mean, even in a sense, like you, you Minecrafters, like, like you may spend hours building a whole civilization that really doesn't exist. How dare you? It doesn't exist. I'm sorry, right? It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm sorry, guys. But see, the shh, but the thing is, but you're proud of it, right? You're proud of it, right? You go on there, you show your friends, right? Like what you mined and what you built and I don't know, whatever you do on Minecraft, um, whatever you crafted, but you're proud of it, right? Maybe you're an athlete and you like to look back at some of the accomplishments, some of the plays you made, some of the things you did. Maybe, maybe you're more of an artist or maybe you're more of a, of, a, of a thespian. You like to look back at the things that you have done and the things that you want to do, right? And the accomplishments you've had. But see, Paul brings this concept that God has something for you and I that really, in essence, like there's nothing you can say or do to earn this thing, to obtain this thing. You know, I don't know if you guys remember this, but, but a year ago on Easter was, was the day that my Subaru fell on me. Do you guys remember that? Yeah? So a year ago from Easter, I was working on my car, and it was actually the Friday before Easter. I was working on my Subaru, and I put it up on some, on, I put it up on some stands, and I was jacking up the backside of it, and I was underneath the backside of the Subaru, and it fell off the stands on me, right? And it, it, it pinched me under the Subaru to where when it came crashing down, I tensed up, and it fell down on this shoulder, and it, it pinned me to the ground, where this shoulder was on the cement, and this shoulder was, was under the Subaru. And I, after it crashed and it hit, I just tensed up, and I held it, and, and I, I kind of opened my eyes, and I looked, and I could tell, like, the jacks were kind of wedged up underneath the Subaru, and the, 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 the whole... The stands were jacked up under the jacks, had fallen over, and I tried to move, and when I did, I, I felt my collarbone shift. And immediately I knew, I was like, man, this thing has me pinned, and my collarbone's busted, right? And, and I'm just kind of like sitting there, and my heart started beating, you know? It was one of those moments, you guys, I'm not a very timid guy. <laughs> like, there's not many things that scare me. I'm not afraid of the dark or the boogeyman. Um, I, I, like, there's just not much that, like, Scares me. I'm a jumpy person. Don't get me wrong. You scare me, I jump. Like, like scary movies, like you don't want to sit next to me in scary movies. Like, I jump. Like, um, but, but there's not much that scares me, right, or gets my heart beating to the point of fear. Um, but being trapped in that Subaru, my heart started beating. Like, like, I had fear. And even to this day, I've done some work on my cars, but, but man, I, I start getting like anxiety sweats when I start jacking up that car, when I start working on it, when I, it just, there's something about it now that just kind of gets me a little shaky, you know? And you guys, it takes a moment like that where you fear death. Because really, like, I don't like to admit this, you guys, but, but six inches forward, the axle would have fallen on me. Maybe another move where I would have taken off the tires before I got under it, I would not be here today. It, it literally was one move away from, from Pastor Joshua being smashed under a Subaru, you know? And so, like, I don't like to admit that. I don't like to talk about it. It definitely, like, even when I was, like, laid up, like, with a busted collarbone and all bruised up, I, I was watching, I think, the Avengers Endgame, 
when Thanos comes through the portal and they blow up the Avenger, the Avenger like, um, you know, hub there, right? And Hawkeye, who's just a human, he falls and gets smashed by some rocks. And I started like having anxiety. It's like busted collarbone right there. Like, like he's dead. <laughs> like, like, I don't like to talk about this because it does. Even now, like, I'm, like, there's just not many things in life that bring me to this point, that bring me to this feeling. And yet, when we talk about something that God offers us, something so immense, so massive, in essence, there's really nothing else in life that should bring you to this place of this absolute awe that God is offering us salvation, righteousness, and there's nothing that we could do about it. See, the thing is, if God decided that it was Joshua Shively's time to go home, there's nothing I could have done about it. If it was the way Pastor Joshua was going home is under a Subaru, there is nothing I could have done about it. It would be my time to go. And see, the beautiful thing about what God is offering us here, what Paul is telling the Philippians and us today, is that, you guys, this, what, what God is offering, this free grace, this free mercy, this beautiful salvation, this covering of your sins with his righteousness, this should bring you to a place of feeling and emotion that nothing else in life ever will. In the same way, what I feel when I talk about that Subaru, that, 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 that April Friday a year ago, nothing else brings me to that. And in the same way, when I think about the salvation I have in Jesus, when I think about the, the forgiveness I have of my sins, that I'm not judged on my works, good or bad, but that God has forgiven me and that it's so free that, that, that you can't even measure it. There's nothing else that brings me to that. And if that, that Subaru, that thought of Subaru brings me to like a dark place, man, the thought of salvation in Jesus brings me to such joy, such immense joy. So I just want you to remember something, guys. First, I just want you to remember something. That you see, you're all going to die someday. Right? You are. You're all going to die someday. <laughs> Come on, that's a good meme. That's a good one, huh? I don't always pick good ones, but that's a good one. Buzz Lightyear. You see? We're all going to die someday. But what I want you guys to understand, that the goal that Paul brings us to here is not the idea of fearing that we're going to die someday, even though that's something very natural in us. What Paul wants us to understand is the goal that we press forward to is a spiritual maturity, that we understand this salvation, we understand this free gift of grace, this free gift of mercy, and it brings us that same intense emotion, that same intense drive of like, man, I want to do so much for Jesus because of what he's done for me, what he brings me, what he gives me. I want to bring, I just want to bring so much glory to him because of this. So you guys, the fact is, even though heaven is after death and death is that big fear, the fact is heaven's real business is joy, is joy. God's business in us is real joy, but that only comes when we come to this this saving fact, this realization of the free gift that we have in Jesus. And so as we've done going through these chapters, you guys, I want to go over some principles. i got seven principles from chapter 3 tonight that I want to go over that really come from the place of when we forsake the flesh and place our trust in Jesus alone, we start to understand. These seven principles only come when we forsake our flesh and our sin and we realize that we have full trust in Jesus, we start to understand these things, okay? We start to understand these things. So the first one, when we forsake the flesh and place our trust in Jesus alone, we start to understand. 
We start to understand that God will never love you more or love you less than he does right now. This is so simple. This is so Sunday school. But it's something that you and I need to understand and repeat to ourselves. We need to just like sink it in, man. It needs to be tattooed on our hearts every single day. So that we remember that there is nothing, there's absolutely nothing that can take me away from God or take him away from me. God will never love you more or love you less than he does absolutely right now. You could go home and you could kick the dog. You could talk back to your parents. You could be a complete hypocrite and be one way here and another way at school. You could, you could be a complete, like, serial killer, guys. Seriously. And God will still have so much love for you. Now, there's consequences. Don't get me wrong. Being a serial killer, okay? I should know. But there's consequences. But the thing is, you guys. But see, it's such a fundamental truth. You and I, there is nothing we can do to be loved more or loved less by God right here and right now. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, absolutely nothing can take you away. And see, when we forsake the flesh, when we come to this place of understanding, this free gift of grace, man, we just come to the rest Man, just the such sweet rest that there is nothing that I can do to take away God's love from me. Man, I will always be his child. I will always be adopted by him. I will always be a citizen of his kingdom no matter what I do. This is such a beautiful truth, and we need to have it just so treasured in our hearts. Number two there, when we, when we forsake the flesh and place our trust in Jesus alone, we start to understand that perfection, not goodness, is the entrance requirement to heaven. That perfection, not goodness, is the entrance requirement to heaven. Now, this may kind of play with your mind. Wait, Josh, I thought you said it's not based on my works. I can't earn it. So how do I earn perfection? I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect, right? You're not. You may think you are sometime, right? Especially most, most of you like freshman guys. There's some points in your life you're like, I'm pretty perfect. I don't know, right? Like, you get there. Come on. In your mind a little bit, guys. Come on. Come on. Yeah, it's calves. <laughs> you, have to, you do have nice calves, bro. You do. That's genetic right there. That's genetic. Okay. So then what does this perfection mean? If we can't earn it, if we can't earn it, then what does it mean? It means that as we forsake the flesh, as we trust in Jesus, we place on his righteousness. We place on his perfection. This is a part of that beautiful gift that we receive from God for free, is you don't just get this Christian identity you don't just get this citizenship or this adoption, but you receive Jesus' perfection. Jesus lived such a perfect life. He did not sin. He was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Lamb of God. So now as you accept Jesus, God looks upon you. He does not see your lying, your cheating, your lusting, your, your depression, your anxiety, your fear. What he sees is Jesus' perfection. You've taken on a cloak that is Jesus, basically. He covers you, so now your requirement to heaven is perfection, and that's okay because it's Jesus' perfection, not yours. But you're wearing that cloak. You're wearing Jesus' identity. See, you guys, if it was based on goodness, think about this for a second. If it was based on goodness, none of us are good enough to get to heaven. And I thank God that, that my requirement to get to heaven is not my goodness. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent guy. I think. I don't know, Erica. Am I decent? I'm okay. But man, like, you get me in the right mood, 
Like, you cut me off. Like, you, 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 you're rude to my wife or kids. There's a whole other Josh that comes out. There just is, okay? There's a whole other Josh that comes out. And that would, if, if, I did a, if I did 50 years of good and when that Josh comes out, I'm back down to zero, guys. It just happens really quick like that. So the thing is, it's not by that goodness, and thank God that it's not. Because if it was, all of us would be going to hell, guys. It just would, that's the way it would be. Romans chapter three, verse 25 through 26 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Christ, not you and I, not our goodness, you guys. Christ as atonement. Through the shedding of his blood, not your blood, not my blood. Our blood's tainted. It can't be atoned for. To be received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Not your righteousness, not my righteousness. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate, again, his righteousness at the present time, meaning the time that he came and died on the cross, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. He was the just. He is the just. No other created being, no other entity in all reality is just. But Jesus is, and he is also the justifier. He has justified us. The corny little Christian thing of saying justified means just as I have never sinned. (laughs) But that's what it stands for. That's what it means is that you and I, it comes down to just as we have never sinned. And thank God that it's perfection that gets us into heaven and not goodness because it's Jesus who has justified us and made us perfect, you guys. What a beautiful truth. Number three there, as we continue to forsake the flesh and place our trust in Jesus alone, we start to understand that being a member of a church does not make you a Christian any more than being a Pharisee made Paul a child of God or any more than walking into a garage makes you a car. This is straight youth pastor right there, guys. (laughs) It's straight youth pastor, right? Being a member of a church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than being in a garage makes you a car, guys. It's just the truth. You can be a member of a church You could tithe. You can do all kinds of amazing things. You could be the best pew sitter, the best church person in the world. But yet the fact is that does not make you a Christian. Paul lines that up in the first section of chapter three by saying people can boast, but they're never gonna be able to boast more than me. Paul was basically saying I was the best Pharisee. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the Jew of Jews. And yet in all of my righteousness and everything that I did for the Jewish people, through the Jewish religion, that still wasn't enough to get me into heaven. And so you and I, you guys, it's not about being a good church person. It's not about making every Sunday and every Tuesday and tithing 10% and making sure you make every function and you look really good on Sundays and Tuesdays and don't cuss and don't think anything bad and make sure you got your hands right, you know, when we're worshiping. Like, it's not about that. It's not about that, but what it's about is this true understanding of faith in Jesus Christ, this free gift of reception of grace and mercy. Philippians 3, 7 and 9, this is where Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, after talking about how he's a Pharisee of Pharisees, but whatever I gained in that, I consider it loss for the sake of Christ. Everything he gained as a Pharisee of Pharisees, everything he gained as a Jew of the Jews, he said it's all loss in Jesus Christ. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. See, Paul gave up an entire life to follow after Jesus. He gave up an entire identity. He had it made. He was in line, some theologians or some historians say, to be the high priest of Israel. Yet he gave it up 
for Jesus Christ. He then says at the end of verse 8, he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. It's, you guys, that garbage is refuse. It's poo-poo. <laughs> I considered it crud. Everything that I had before Jesus, I considered absolute crud. See, you guys, as we forsake the flesh, as we understand this free gift of Jesus Christ, it just makes everything in life pale in comparison. Comparison. <laughs> it makes everything in life pale. It turns everything else in life into, into poo-poo. It just does, you guys, because the fact is it means so much to us. Our identity, you guys, our, our social mentality of how I need to present myself to people, how I need to stand out, how I want people to, to consider who I am, that means nothing when it comes to Jesus Christ. I mean, we look at Paul here who had it all, yet he gave it up. And it reminds us, you guys, that it's not about sitting in a church. It's not about listening just to Christian music and knowing how to worship. But what it comes down to is, do you consider all else in life poo-poo? Do you consider all else in life garbage when it comes to your relationship in Jesus Christ? I mean, this relationship you're maybe pursuing in a guy or girl. You guys, is it, is it, does it pale compared to your relationship with Jesus? This identity you're searching for. This identity that you are convinced I have to have, is it pale in comparison to your relationship with Jesus Christ? And this is something every one of us has to ask because this is what defines you as a Christian. Does Jesus Christ mean more than anything else? Is he truly your savior? Are you, have you truly received that grace and that mercy over you? Do you wear his righteousness rather than your good works or your identity? Number four then says, as we forsake the flesh and place our trust in Jesus alone, we start to understand that Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. See, we start to truly understand that Jesus paid your and my debt. See, as we walk through this and we grow in maturity in Jesus, we start to understand it's not just that Jesus died for the world or Jesus died for the murderer or Jesus died for the drug addict or Jesus died for X, Y, and Z. Jesus died for me, <laughs> He died for my sins. He died for my brokenness. He died for my condemnation to hell. He died for me. Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. See, it becomes more intimate, doesn't it? When, when we bow our knees and our heart before Jesus and we say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving my lies. Thank you for forgiving my immoral thoughts. Thank you for giving my foul mouth. Thank you for forgiving my sarcasm or the way that I treat people. Thank you for forgiving who I am because you didn't, you didn't deserve it, Jesus. I deserved it. You didn't, I, I owed this debt, Jesus. You didn't owe it, but yet you paid it for me. Romans 3, 23 and 26 says, a pure gift. This is a pure gift. There's absolute unconditional love within this gift. He's not looking for anything to be repaid here. He got us, oh, I'm sorry, this is actually from the message, right, which is a, another version of the Bible, not version, but, you know, translation, and I thought this kind of brought it home, so a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're, we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the wor world to clear the world of sin. Having faith in him sets us in the clear, God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. 
God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. See, this is such a beautiful truth that you right here and right now can say, Jesus, like, forgive me of my sins. Let let me take on your free gift of grace and and your free gift of mercy, God, and let let me take that right now, and he will give it to you right here and right now. It echoes through eternity. Okay, whoever's taking notes right now and messing with each other, stop. I see it all over the place. Stop. Okay, guys, pay attention, all right? It's extremely rude. Just stop, okay? All right? Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, it's right here and right now. It's present in what you and I can believe and what you and I can obtain. Uh, Moving on, right? You guys suck, man. Uh, Verse 5, verse 5, or number 5. All right. (laughs) We forsake the flesh and place our trust. I'm going to have Bernard cut that out. All right, we forsake the flesh and place our trust in Jesus alone. We understand that believing in in, in Christ cancels the debt we owe God for our sins and gives us a right relationship with him and eternal life in heaven. Okay? See, now as we... As we mature in Christ and we say, Jesus, you've forgiven my sins. You've made me right. We start to believe how Christ cancels our debt. Any debt that you have owed or will owe, it's canceled. And not just that. It's not like, all right, it's canceled. Like, see you next time. But it's now you have a right relationship with him. And you have eternal life with him. See, Jesus doesn't finish or doesn't leave a job half done. He finishes the job completely. He says, I want to give you grace and mercy and forgiveness. Then I want to adopt you into my family. I want to cover you with my righteousness and make you perfect before the eyes of the Father. And I want to give you eternal life. See, this has always been God's plan for humankind, that we would live with him in peace and eternity. And yet Jesus has made it right. Romans 6, 21 through 23 says, But what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you were now ashamed? Meaning, when you were in sin, there was no real fruit, right? You were ashamed of those things. For the end of those things is death. Meaning, like, outside of Jesus, you guys, anything we can obtain in our righteousness, it actually just equals death. Verse 22, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, now we obtain this beautiful fruit. You guys, it's not just Jesus saying, okay, you're forgiven, now go live your life. But no, your sins are forgiven, now go and sin no more. Live a righteous life. Live for me. See what kind of fruit you now get to bear within the kingdom of God. Compare it, right? Compare what what sin leads to. Compare what selfishness leads to. What kind of fruit you bear. Last week we talked about the tree of pride and the tree of humility. How that tree of pride just produces prideful fruit, selfish fruit, things that bring no life, no peace, no joy. But yet that tree of humility, what does it truly bring? It brings connection. It brings unity. It brings peace and joy, you guys. It brings love and gentleness. Compare the fruit in your life. And then as you accept who Jesus is, as you realize all these truths we've been going through, now live a life that is worthy of this eternal life you and I are getting, gaining right here and right now. All right, the sixth one, guys. I just got two more here. Then we leave. When we start to, to forsake the flesh and place our trust in Jesus alone, we start to understand that when we, learn, when we lean on his power, uh, learn from his pain, 
and rest in his plan, we grow closer to Christ. Now, this is when we come to the place of, of forsaking our flesh, but also just forsaking, like, we're just saying, Lord, my life is no longer mine. Man, we get to this point in Jesus where it's like, all that you've done for me, all that you've covered me with, all that you've given me for free, my life is no longer mine. There's this term, like, in a sense, man, this concept that I want to abandon all for you, Jesus. I want to give all for you. That my life right here, right now, is on your altar, Jesus, and you can do whatever you want with it. You can, you can move me wherever you want. You can lead me wherever you want. And you guys, as we come to this place in our maturity in Christ, we truly start to understand that all that he's done and all he's given and that he's worthy of our lives. Chapter 3, verse 10 there, Philippians says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. See, Paul here, as he, as he describes his sacrifice, as he describes his life for Jesus, basically he's saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know him so intimately that I know his power, his resurrection, I know his suffering. Like my life, I want to line with Jesus at the utmost. Also, verses 12 through 14 says of chapter 3, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to hold or to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see, as we come to this place, as we continue to forsake the flesh and receive this free gift of salvation, what it does to us is it puts us in the right perspective, you guys, that, that our hearts and our minds are no longer so earthly-based, right? Like, like so fleshly-based, so just, just terminally-based here. This life will end. This life is, 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 is a miss, you guys. It goes by so fast. But when we come to this place in Jesus, man, our kingdom mindset just grows to where it's, it's so much bigger, there's so much more out there than what we have right here and right now. This comes with maturity in Jesus. And then the last one, number seven here, when we start to forsake the flesh and place our trust alone in Christ, what we understand is that this life in light of eternity will be nothing more than a bad night's sleep in a cheap motel or a cheap hotel. When we really come to the concept of what heaven is, of the gift that Jesus has given us, we just see how how futile this life is. That, that, yes, there's work to be done. Don't get me wrong, you guys. Like, I, I treasure the work that Jesus has given me to do on this planet. As long as there's breath in my lungs and this heart is beating and no Subarus try to smash me, the fact is, like, I will continue to do the work that God has put in front of me. I will take pride in it and I will take joy in it and I will, I will work hard. And, man, when I get to heaven, I just want bloody knuckles and trucks full of kids that accepted Jesus because I fought until the final breath. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mar- <laughs> Thanks Marisol. But the thing is, it still doesn't compare to what we get to receive in heaven. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. It just, it it just boggles the imagination when we really think about what Jesus like, has for us, what he's given us, not just here on this temporal plane, but, but eternity-wise, what we've received from him. 
I love the description of Aslan's country in the last battle of the Narnia series, but I mean, basically it's described as the further up and the further in, the further up and the further in our our travelers in Aslan's country, the more real and beautiful it gets. Mr. Tumnus compared it to an onion. Only as you go in, each ring gets larger than the last. Spurring out from the mountains of Aslan's country are the real versions of every world ever created. In essence, we're just kind of dealing with the copy here. We're dealing with the, the, the VR of it, you guys, right? But when we get to heaven, when we get to this eternity, it's the real place. It's the real creation, right? It's we're coming out of the matrix into the real, into reality, but it's not like the real world in the matrix, which is horrible, but it's like real, right? It's the good side of it. And see, we get to obtain this. And the beautiful thing is, you don't have to be a goody two-shoes to obtain it. You don't have to be the perfect little child. You don't have to be the perfect Christian to obtain it. What you need to do is come to a saving belief and faith in Jesus Christ, and you have obtained salvation, this beautiful salvation that God offers and promises through the work Jesus Christ did. What an amazing truth, you guys. What an amazing truth that you and I get to have. Now, as we finish up here in our couple of applications, um, uh, real quick here. You guys still with me? Okay, a couple of applications real quick. So first one, quit trying to earn God's favor by good works, okay? Now, this doesn't mean, don't, like, stop doing good works, right? It doesn't mean, like, stop trying to emulate Christ and stop trying to be what God has called us to be as salt and light as the church and as Christians, but just know that you may have the cruddiest day of your life, yet that doesn't take away God's love. And you may have the best day of your life, yet that doesn't give you more merit with God, okay? He loves you for who you are right here and right now. Thank Christ that he loved you enough to die for you. I mean, think about that. How many people in this room would you die for? And I don't need to answer. It's okay. <laughs> I, know, I know at least three that I'd die for in this room, at least. I want to say that there's more. I want to believe there's more. There's no one pointing a gun at me right now, so, you know. But the thing is, Christ loved you enough that he died for you. He loved me enough that he died for me. Thank Christ for that. Number three, put your faith in him now. Just put your faith in him. Stop putting your faith in your identity or society or that influencer, you guys, or that relationship or that substance. Stop putting your faith in all these other false things. Put your faith in him right now. View suffering as the opportunity to know Jesus Christ better. Just as Paul described to us, know that the suffering you go through in this life that God allows you to grow and to mature through, it just brings you closer to Jesus. Number four, then, loosen your grip on this world by giving away something to meet a need that you see. Take a practical step. Maybe you really covet your money, man. That's just something you really covet. Maybe it's your clothes. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's an identity. I don't know. Go before the Lord and say, God, what is something that you want me to give up that is temporal so that I can be closer to your eternal kingdom? Last one there, close your eyes and visualize heaven. I don't know if it's Aslan's country like this, me, man, there's a spot on the, on the, 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 the meadow, um, Mono Meadow Trail that we take almost every year. And when we come up through the Illouette Creek and up on top of this kind of this meadow, right? It's not, it's not the Mono Meadow, but it's just like this meadow on top of this hill. And there's these, these giant ponderosas, 
these giant, giant sugar pines, and it overlooks the Illouette Creek into this granite canyon. And I'm, every time I pass through, I don't know, Erica, how many times we've hiked through it, but every time I'm like, I want my cabin right here. <laughs> like, this is where I want it, right here, God, right here. And it's just like, like but if we take a moment, we close our eyes, we visualize heaven, we see Jesus your loved ones, heaven's peace and beauty. Now ask God to change your priorities by this vision of your future. So young Christians, it's, it's hard for us to con- conceive this at times, but when we start to make this a practice that we realize what we obtain past this life, we just start to, our priorities change, our perspective changes so much outside of us and what just involves us constantly and, and us and our selfishness and our pride and arrogance and we start to see what God truly has for us. We start to see what God has for those people around us in really amazing ways. So, Father, we give you this night. Lord, we ask and pray that small group time would just be blessed. Lord, it be a time that would just, Father, continue to grow and mature our sixth graders to our seniors. God, we thank you for what you're doing in us and through us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.